We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to week two of the Pro Football Focus show here on Roto-Grinders. I am Britt Devine, uh, joined by, as always, the season, uh, Mr. Ian Harditz. Uh, Ian, it was, a, it was a fun week one. I escaped uh, with, a, with a pretty decent profit on week one. Last year, uh, I was talking to our producer before the show. Last year, week one, I got the injury bug hit all my lineups, right? And I went way in the hole week one, got to call it all back for a couple of weeks. Uh, pretty good to start the season with, with a win this year. <laughs> Yeah, man, it wasn't a wasn't the best week one for me. I will say I, I wrote a little bit too heavy on my uh, Todd Gurley call. I thought a lot of the rest of the plays in general. Uh, I, I think we had some good angles, but you know that game got away from a little bit, and Gurley just unfortunately wasn't the guy to be out there in comeback mode. But all in all, good week one, man. One of the things we talked about uh, going into last week was whether or not we could expect offenses to keep it up after seeing Watson and Mahomes do their things. And I think in general, if we at least have you know two average to above average offenses, we can be pretty pleased with the way they can move the ball despite the you know whole no preseason element of this year yeah like scoring i think if you blindly bet the overs you you came away with a profit i think that's i think that's still in play this week with with the no there's no fans you see a lot of these road teams using the no no huddle that they really couldn't use too much before i like scoring i think you can pretty much do that again this week and and expect to come out ahead Uh, i think there's just a lot of scoring in the nfl through these first couple of weeks when there's no fans i think defense uh, probably a little bit behind the offense and uh, hey if you just want a couple of bets go bet every over I think you're gonna come out ahead I got some I got some uh, more uh, 
you know, detailed bets a little bit later on. But, uh, yeah, scoring, I think it's going to be a fun week, too. Uh, but one of the things we got to do, right, we got to look back a little bit and we got to see what happened week one. We got to see how do we interpret that for week two. One of the things I do in my Millionaire Maker articles, you probably haven't read it, a lot of the Roto-Grinder subscribers that are premium have, uh, I talk about all of the time in that recency bias. We had, uh, I'll use an example from last year. We saw Elvin Kamara, uh, week two, he was the highest owned player. Uh, Drew Brees got hurt week two last year, right? And Elvin Kamara stunk. Week three, nobody thought Elvin Kamara could have a good game without Drew Brees. He's the highest scoring running back on the slate and nobody owned him. Those are the types of things you have to look at when you're playing these large field tournaments in an attempt to get ahead. And I, I got one of those, Ian, uh, I'm going I'm to cheat on your helicopter plays a little bit towards the end of the show, uh, but I got one of those guys for you. Actually, two of them, I think, can have some really big games, and you got some nice ones as well. But let's look back at your mismatch manifesto. Uh, it's a free article, right? So you don't have to have the, the PFF subscription. If you want to get the grades and you want to get all the premium articles and all that stuff, you got to pay the man. But they're nice enough to let Ian put this out for free along with his helicopter plays. Let's go over some of the main things. You look at explosive plays, pace, pressure, yards before contact, uh, expected points added, things you can look at in the passing game. What are the, some of the big points from week one that we can extrapolate into uh, allowing us to do good in week two? Yeah, unfortunately, week two version is behind the paywall, but all the charts. Oh, those bastards. I know, I know, man. It's, 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 a, it's a decision out of my control, but all the, char- <laughs> all the charts that you're going to be screen sharing and showing on, like I tweet those out. Those are available. You just got to kind of pull your own takeaways from mm-hmm. it. But we're going over it right now, so it might as well be free, right? So uh, first thing, yeah, and so just, just so everyone knows the general goal of this, you know, whenever we're talking about matchups, it's always, okay, we got the ninth-ranked offense and X stat versus the 31st ranked defense and Y stat. And we're just, it's always a two-way street. I attempt to combine those and make it more of a one-way street and, you know, just get a better look at it. So looking at explosive plays, the matchup that really pops out immediately is the Lions at the Packers. And it's more, it's not so much what the Lions did in week one. It's that the Packers were that good on offense. We all, we all saw Aaron Rodgers, you know, pissed off mode. Aaron Rodgers just going nuclear last week. But also that Packers defense was awful against the Vikings. I mean, the manner in which they let the Vikings get back in that game so efficiently, you know, maybe it was just playing the prevent defense in the fourth quarter and not really caring one way or another but you know ranking dead last in yards per play after uh, yards per play allowed after one week you know it's just it's only so many ways how you can kind of dress that up so uh while the Lions don't have Galladay you know we did still see some good things last week I mean they by all accounts win that game if Swift just holds on to that oh, yeah. good ball by Stafford at the end so you know Lions I think uh, we all just kind of shake our head oh it's the Lions of course uh of course they didn't win but you know we did see the signs there for uh, for the reason why a lot of people including myself pick the Lions to win the NFC North so you know I'm wearing my clown mask I get it the Lions are gonna line but I think uh, you know you're talking about overs and Lions Packers could definitely be a sneaky one yeah and uh maybe the recency bias people will Aaron Rodgers can't repeat that maybe he can and that'll be an interesting play it doesn't look like he's gonna be too highly on this week so we'll talk about that a little bit later as well uh give me a couple other things let's go down to the pace version of this which teams are playing fast? There were a lot of snaps in a lot of games this week. Yeah, a couple uh, 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 cool concepts. There's one that uh, really shocked me for a second. The uh, New York Jets were actually actually graded out as the third fastest offense in situation neutral pace last week, only because they were in so few situation neutral like one uh, play. paces. Exactly. 
yeah, when the, when the score was within uh, six points, we saw them at the usual gay snail pace. So it is what it is. But yeah, two real speedy games popping uh, popping up here. We have the Cowboys, who were number one in situation neutral pace last week, and they were you know top five last season as well. So that's not surprising. Versus the Falcons, number ten. We all saw what they uh, have been able to do, kind of in comeback mode over the last two seasons. So that's the obvious one. You know, I think highest uh, over under of the week, but maybe the sneaky one is the Cardinals who come in at fifth against Washington coming in at fourth. This new Scott Turner offense in Washington, I know Haskins didn't execute it quite as efficiently as they wanted in week one, but it's certainly an improvement over what they were running, uh, you know, the second half of last year with Callahan, just, you know, the entire offense being kind of set around 15 to 20 carries to Adrian Peterson per week. So yeah, it wasn't the best start to week one from this Washington offense, but I think we're going to see better days ahead. And man, this uh, version 2.0 of Kyler Murray and company, they got that alpha receiver and DeAndre Hopkins. And it seems like it's opened up the entire playbook for him. So, really excited for what they're going to do here in the upcoming weeks if you subscribe to the blitz here on roto grinders a projection set from Derek hardy uh that that loves him some Dwayne haskins this week i think it's reading into some of the some of those pace stuff uh, i'll have to see if it sticks as it adjusts throughout the week but uh the blitz currently loves Dwayne haskins also loves kyler murray who we're going to talk about in just a little bit as well uh, all right, o-line d-line uh we saw you know what a mismatch on the offensive line can do for the Redskins last week, just absolutely terrorized Carson Wentz. So what type of things stand out uh, this week? Yeah, I, I think we gave, I think we gave some uh, credit to D-line, Washington D-line before that game. So hopefully we can stay on top of it. But four key matchups are sticking out as quarterbacks. It just might be overwhelmed in a similar manner as Wentz was uh, last week. First one is Drew Locke at the Steelers. I think we kind of know that when Steelers were number one in pressure rate last season, number one in pressure rate after week one. Uh, Wentz is on the list again against the Rams. We saw what the Rams were able to do with Donald, especially leading week one in total pressures and just making life hell for Dak Prescott most of that Sunday night. So, you know, we'll see if Lane Johnson can get back out there, but might might be another week or two before we really want to go back to well with those Philly players. Uh, Dak Prescott himself. And again, you know, this is all based on week one stats, so we got to take it with a little bit of grain of salt. But when we look at that Cowboy O-line, with Lil Collins out, with Cam Irving out, with Tyron Smith now being, you know, a midweek addition to the injury report. You know, you don't have to go back that many years. I believe it was uh, 2017. Different team, I get that. But when Dak has lost Tyron Smith over the year, things have crumbled pretty fast. The O-line has always been the engine of that offense. They're not going to become awful with without, you know, one or two of the guys. But, you know, expecting them to maybe meet the expectations for the highest over-under of the week without a couple of their starting tackles could be more problematic and then finally we have Daniel Jones at the Chicago Bears I was actually pretty impressed with how Jones looked all things considered in that a Monday night matchup I mean just you know I don't think anyone expected him to do anything well and he actually did make some plays out there despite you know being pressured on almost half of his drop back so this is still a tough spot I'm not really going back to Daniel Jones well just yet but I am uh, more optimistic about him moving forward after they get through this hellacious September schedule all right. A uh, couple, I will talk about the Giants. I like that offense. I like the Bears offense too. So you'll get one of those uh, bets for me. The other thing, right? Defenses don't matter. Running backs don't matter. Quarterbacks don't matter. Does offensive line matter, Ian? Because I want to I play me some Zeke. I want him to get fed. Is that going to affect him at all this week? I think our uh, it's our ability to judge those metrics that makes them not matter sometimes, and we end up over-influencing it. But uh, look, no, Zeke is just a setup to absolutely smash. Now, the yards before contact aren't super out of this role for the Cowboys uh, matchup, but it's certainly nothing to shy away from. The matchup's where it is looking pretty good in terms of, you know, who can just pick up bunches of yards before they're even meeting a defender. Uh, 
again, that Lions-Packers game just popping off as two running games that should be able to have a bunch of success. The Colts, man, I mean, I know they didn't run the ball quite as much as we thought last week, but when they did, they were pretty efficient doing so against the Vikings defense that without Daniil Hunter in there, man, they're just not really a front seven we have to fear in quite the same manner. And then uh, finally the Patriots. Like the Patriots-Seahawks, you know, we talked about the fast-paced games, but this is the slowest-paced game of the week. We've seen the over-under dip a little bit, but at the same time, we're talking about two really efficient offenses and what they're trying to do. So, you know, I really wanted to take the under with that Seahawks-Patriots uh, game, but the more I look at it, I think I'm just going to stay away from it because as much as the Patriots are this, you know, complete run-first offense trying to milk the clock, hey, Cam went 15 for 19 last week with a couple of drops. And, you know, while that was their week one version of the offense, I don't think we've seen the full scale of what they're going to do with a healthy Cam Newton under center. Why are you trying to ruin everyone's fun with these unders? Have some fun and bet, <laughs> bet, bet some overs, Ian. It's, it's more fun that way if you bet the over instead of rooting against points all week. Uh, all right, let's go to one final one. Let's go to uh, EPA expected points added. This is sort of all the little fun stuff that you get to look at behind the scenes from Pro Football Focus. What do you see there? Uh, and what can we extrapolate for week two? You wanted the overs, man. This might be our best tell for it because last week we had uh, three of these matchups where, again, I'm taking the offenses, EPA, I'm adding the defenses, EPA allowed per play, and we're seeing just how the matchup sets up. And last week we only had three matchups where both offenses had a positive combined EPA. All three hit the over. So, again, it goes back to the idea where if we have two even just above average offenses and competency, we can expect some points. And so the five matchups we have meeting that criteria this week are Jaguars at Titans, uh, Vikings at Colts, Lions at Packers, Chiefs at Chargers, and the Patriots at Seahawks. So, you know, that last one's the only one I would probably stay away from. The other ones, though, I really like. And again, you know, maybe we'll see Cam and Russ, you know, engage in a sort of a run-heavy shootout. All right, so that's uh, now behind the paywall, those bastards over at PFF. <laughs> just kidding, they have some really great stuff over there. Uh, the subscriptions to, to get access to it, what, you just need the thirty nine ninety nine one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not, not too bad. Yeah, you get so much with that. It's a great add-on. Uh, one, one of the only other subscriptions I have out on the industry outside of uh, what I have here at Roto-Grinder. So go check it out. Uh, great stuff going on over at PFF. You can get all the grades, and then if you want all the real advanced data, it costs a little bit more. Uh, but if you're a serious DFS player, uh, make sure to go check at that. Uh, speaking of serious DFS players, it was sure nice seeing the teams back out on the gridiron over the weekend. Lucky for us, that was just week one. There is no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To add to this week's excitement, DraftKings have has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to your app store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup now and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. Sweat, man. All, all the wings and pizza uh, I eat on a Sunday, that, that is the sweat that, that I have too. But you can also enjoy the sweat with DraftKings. Uh, it's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching games quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. DraftKings has paid out billions, that's with a B, uh, of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use code DFF for a limited time. New users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on week two. Enter code DFF and get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code DFF only at DraftKings. Make it rain, minimum $5 deposit required, eligibility restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com for details. Uh, all right, let's uh, speak, you know, DraftKings is DFS. Hey, if you're in one of those sites, uh, states 
where you can bet legally. Let's talk about some bets. Always like those. Uh, tooting my horn, 2-0 and last week. Uh, I got three for you this week. My first one, maybe we'll alternate here. I got Rams to win minus 120. Uh, if the Redskins can beat the Eagles, Ian, uh, and get all those sacks, uh, newsflash, Aaron Donald is a bad man. Uh, over under two and a half sacks for Aaron Donald this week. Not to mention, I think I like the Rams offense. We saw Malcolm Brown do pretty good. You got uh, Bobby Trees. He's always pretty good. Higby's going to get involved. Cup's going to still do his. Uh, I think the Rams can win this. I don't know why they're an underdog, probably just because they're on the road. Um, but I like them to win straight up. Uh, you can take the points if you don't want to do that too. Um, but yeah, I like the Rams quite a bit this week. Yeah, no, I think you're right there. And, you know, I, I don't know about sacks. Those tend to be pretty tough to predict. But if we put the over-under on pressures at like seven or eight and a half, I think uh, I would be leaning towards the over there. I, I didn't have quite as good of a week one as you. I had to go one and one. Unfortunately, you know, in, in, in predicting the Saints and Bucks might go under, I failed to account for the defensive touchdown uh, possibility of that. So win some, lose some. But, you know, this week I, I found a uh, – you know, I, I know parlays in the betting world are usually frowned upon. But, man, I just really think here we got some teams that – are going to win. And, you know, I am not looking at uh, road splits as heavily as I think I would in the normal year without these crowds and just with all the circumstances. But, you know, I look at the 49ers facing the Jets, the Ravens facing the Texans and the Chiefs facing the Chargers. And to me, I I just see three W's. They're all favored by yeah, exactly, man. They're all favored by more than seven points. If you parlay those three, you know, high-end money lines, you're betting 100 bucks to win 114 So, you know, it's reasonable. you got to put your neck out there a little bit. And, you know, whenever you're – again, I, I understand in the past I've done these parlays before, and you go, oh, wow, how could these teams lose? And inevitably, one of the road touchdown yeah. favorites tends to blow it. But, you know, if you want to trade the 49ers, maybe the Buccaneers, you get a similar payout. I wouldn't blame you there. But I just really think right now and early in the season, if we can target these atrocious – uh, teams or in the Texans case, just, you know, in a brutal matchup against arguably the um, highest functioning team in the league right now. Why not? The Raven just crush everybody. I'm not worried. I think I actually might've made sort of that same one uh, at the sports book. I, I, I get in there on Monday to mix it up, right? Get a little ahead of the line. So I like that one. The 49ers too. If you just, I, I wrote on our sheet here, it's a, it's a high interest savings account for a week. Just bet the 49ers. It's they're like <laughs> minus 300 or something, but I, I, I don't see how they lose against the Jets. I know it's West to East, early games. So you got a little bit of that. There's no way the 49ers are losing in my opinion. The other one I got is the bears giants. I like the over in that one. Uh, I like the bears lions over. And I think that got there last week as one of the bets. I think the giants offense looked pretty good against the Steelers. I think the bears, uh, I did take a couple injuries in that Lions secondary for them to really start putting up points, but I think they're in a good point. I don't think the giants are, are really that great either. Once Ben, once Ben Roethl- Roethlisberger knocked off the rust, you know, after the first quarter or two, that Steelers offense was basically cruising. I like the over in that game, 42. There's just too many points being scored um, with these quiet stadiums. Uh, so, so I got the over on that one. So that's three bets for me. Rams to win. Uh, I got the over on the Bears-Giants. And uh, this is a little cheat. And I'm still going to count it, right? But uh, taking a minus 300, the four, there's no way the 49ers lose against the Jets. So I got that one. Uh, anything else you got for some bets out there? Yeah, so I'm going to count my first one as that. Again, 49ers, Ravens, Chiefs, Moneyline, Parlay. Yep. And then I mentioned those over-unders earlier. The two that stick out just in terms of the most positive matchups I'll hang my hat on, which is Vikings, Colts, Over, and the Lions, uh, Packers, Over. I know the Colts, Vikings uh, one has been moving up throughout the week, but I believe both these are still under 50 at the time of this recording. So let's clear that 50-burger. Jack Doyle and uh, Pittman, those just crossed beat me, you know, about 20 minutes before we got the show. Both those guys looking inactive. Does that change anything for you? Makes me uh, interested in Mo Alley Cox at 3K, maybe. Yeah, we'll <laughs> get some uh, DFS sleepers. It's always tough. Uh, 
it seems like the injury reports, maybe I think it's because we had no preseason, you know, like in practice or even in game, we don't hear about these till Thursday, Friday. Now it makes for some, some late week uh, additions for, for us to get some value. So uh, let's move to some position chatter. We've got, uh, you know, a uh, cash game play. Uh, we've got some GPP takes at each position at the end of the show. Don't forget, we're going to have the helicopter plays. Ian's got his list of five. That's also on PFF. Did they throw that behind the paywall too? That one's still free. All right. So you can get, you can get that one. We don't know how long. If they if they catch on, if all five go ballistic, that's going to be behind the paywall in week three. I can pretty much guarantee you. Um, but I'm going to keep track. I got two as that as well. Uh, we both loaded up. I had this in here first, Ian. Um, I guess it's more of a DraftKings play. I think on FanDuel, if you want to get Lamar Jackson at quarterback for your cash teams, you can still do it. Um, but on DraftKings, uh, yo, DraftKings pricing dude, if you need some help, yo, I'm available, right? Kyler Murray shouldn't have, go ballistic, have like a bajillion points, and then go down 400 points against Washington. I don't know how that algorithm works, but that's what happened on DraftKings this week. He is by far going to be the most, uh, you know, owned quarterback of the week in cash, probably even in tournaments. How do you just not want this? The running's there. The scrambling was great. And we know Washington has that defensive line. That's just going to be more scrambles, easy rushing yards for, for Murray. And he hits that turbo button and no one in the league can, can catch him in that little five to 10 yard burst he has. Yeah, you know, I wanted to try to differentiate it and pick another cash game QB, but I just couldn't, man. QB 11? How? Like, that doesn't even <laughs> what make sense. So, and this was always the point with Kyler. It's like, you know, I, I understood the concerns that, hey, maybe the 2020 Cardinals could be a lot like the 2019 Browns from a win-loss perspective. But the Kyler rushing floor is just, it's number three in the league behind only Lamar and Josh Allen, who are top three quarterbacks uh, in my rankings this week, at least. So Kyler, you know, need to continue to fire him up in that top six, you know, eight range at a minimum, not 11. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll do respect to the Washington D-line, but, you know, the 49ers had a pretty damn good D-line too, and Kyler uh, was ended up being just fine with that in week one. So in addition to rushing, though, just the steps he took forward as a passer in week one, the chemistry, I mean, completing 14 of 16 targets to DeAndre Hopkins in their first game together looked awesome. You know, the concern we had with him as a passer already look uh, like he's taken that natural uh, year. Oh, Ian, sorry. So I'll go on there. You know, who would have thought, right? That DeAndre Hopkins joins Kyler Murray and all of a sudden they have an amazing passing attack. Who could have thought something like that as crazy as that could have happened out there. So, so I like that call quite a bit. Ian, I see you're back here. Uh, what else you got to say about Kyler Murray? Yeah, man, it's just look, the rushing floor is there. We saw him with the nope. the QB 11. So in cash, you know, maybe fading him in tournaments, I can understand that. But in cash games, when we know the ownership is going to be up there anyway, might as well go back to the well with Kyler Murray. Now, moving on to my GPP quarterback, I want all the Tom Brady this week because, okay, debut didn't go quite as planned, but we talked about this last week. It was a tough matchup going into New Orleans, playing the potential, you know, NFC front runner to make it to the Super Bowl. And, okay, he didn't get the win, but I'll tell you what, that deep ball looked awesome, man. I mean, I've had, like, five people just hop into mentions this week and just, you know, shoot down Mike Evans or Scotty Miller saying because of Brady's noodle arm. I'm not sure what game they were watching. This dude was putting the ball on the money, 40, 50 yards downfield. Didn't get some of the completions, but Evans drew deep DPI. Scotty Miller drew deep DPI. And it sounds like Goblin even has a chance to get out there now 
after returning to practice on Friday. So with or without Goblin, I think this Panthers defense is bad enough for Brady and company to put up a bunch of points, kind of give us a performance that most people were hoping for in week one. So I thought he'd be a little chalkier in the bounce back, but looking at some early uh, projected ownership, doesn't seem that way. So give me Brady all the Mike Evans in this kind of early season squeak, squeaky wheel spot. And assuming Goblin's out, even if he's not out, honestly, Scotty Miller in that low, low 4K range has a, some real nice value potential. Yeah, we got uh, Tom Brady, uh, 4% on DK, 2.5% on FanDuel. Angry Brady, we'll see if it works. You know, Angry Brady works when you're like 35. doesn't work when you're 43. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Uh, I wanted to note, too, um, I think right before the show, uh, Bruce Arians came out and said Godwin returned to practice, but he still considers him doubtful to play. So he's got to clear some steps. We'll see what happens on that one, but I did want to make that note for everyone. So it could be uh, Scotty Miller time uh, for everybody. Uh, a couple of my, I'm going, I mentioned I like that over in the Bears game. Dude, give me Mitchell Trubisky again. He got, he got there last week. It took the second half, but the Giants defense stinks. I like Daniel Jones a little bit too. I like this game to shoot out. You can take that. And the thing with Trubisky is target tree should be pretty narrow, right? I didn't have any, I didn't have him with any Jimmy Graham last week, which stunk, right? But Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Ted Ginn played a lot of snaps. You can mix in Cohen. And uh, I think, you know, where most of the targets are going to go on that one. And then if everyone's playing Derrick Henry, uh, you know, if you're pl- Derrick Henry is going to get three touchdowns and 195 yards, sounds like the Jaguars are going to have to throw the ball. We have almost no ownership on Gardner Minshew. You saw Chenault come in there, DJ Shark, right? Only three receptions. Nobody wants to play him. This looks like a good spot, maybe more of a secondary stack where you play Henry with Shark or Henry with Chenault, something like that to take advantage of it. But if you want a cheap quarterback with some cheap targets that have a lot of upside, uh, I think the Jaguars could be passing a lot in this game. And I, I don't understand how Minshew is basically garnering no ownership right now. So that should wrap it up at the quarterback position. Uh, running back, uh, why don't we start with you? Talk about a couple of plays. I think there's three There's three running backs that everyone's going to own right now. It's going to be Zeke, it's going to be Derrick Henry, and it's going to be Jonathan Taylor. These guys are just too cheap. Christian McCaffrey doesn't even have like the monster game and his price went up or stayed the same. And if he's not getting eight or nine targets a game, maybe that will change. Maybe that's some, some recency bias. We got to think maybe he can elevate to that. It just seems like going to that next tier of stud running backs looks like the way to go this week. It looks like, you know, with the pricing that we're either seeing the values, you know, in that Jonathan Taylor range or they're paying up for Zeke. But yeah, man, if McCaffrey's going to get in four to five targets, he's not going to be worth over a thousand more than the next closest running back every week. So getting ahead of that potential trend uh, will be important. Uh, I, I do think that Jonathan Taylor, he's going to be commanding 30% plus ownership potentially in cash games. Just take that and let's dwindle it down and we'll win the other matchup. So, you know, and I'm, I'm fine to fade him in tournaments. I'd even recommend it for, because we got Kenyon Drake, who's my favorite GP play at the position uh, as long as Dave Montgomery right there in that same price range and both guys are favorites they're both the lead you know back in their backfield and in Drake's case last week I know Edmonds played well had a nice touchdown but Drake still 69% snap rate was flirting with 20 touches himself we'll take that all day matchup like we said but Kyler isn't the best but uh, Drake's still capable of winning and then Montgomery you know everything he said about the Bears uh, rings true but just looking at this spot you know six point or five and a half point home favorites I guess the Giants defense that just made Benny Snell look like a superstar oh, I mean look I don't love Montgomery but the guy six out of 30 backs in week one yards after contact per attempt you know he came on a little bit stronger last year not even listed on the injury report with that groin injury so I think uh, Montgomery is in a very similar spot and a similar com- a kind of two-back committee as Jonathan Taylor just with a fraction of the ownership 
Yeah, we have Drake currently as the fourth projected highest owned running back. I didn't know if you had the same thing. He's right behind those big three that I mentioned. Montgomery down there at about 3%. Uh, I do like Montgomery quite a bit this week. I think he's interesting. If he gets into the end zone, maybe catches three passes, maybe he can get the 100-yard bonus if he's feeling – if Benny's – we can't call him Benny Snail anymore. It's Benny Slim, right? He slimmed yeah. down. He's look, I didn't even recognize him when he was running out there. He looked like a totally he different good. person. He looked good. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I can get 100%. You, you give me a play in that uh, Bears-Giants game, I'm going to be on board. I like David Montgomery. Uh, I got Zeke for cash, maybe a little worried. I want to see how that offensive line plays out. But I got to be honest, I'm probably gonna, the whole offensive line starters could all be on. I'm probably going to play Zeke. He's too good. Uh, he was the highest graded running back uh, at PFF for week one. Uh, we saw Tony Tony Pollard, man, he's so good. He's so good. Basically, he gets like two or three snaps all game. This is Zeke's game. It's going to be a fast pace. It's sort of why you like Todd Gurley week one. We thought there were going to be a lot of points. It just didn't go to him. Uh, I got I got a newsflash. They paid Zeke. He's going to get fed. He's going to get the ball. Uh, if they're down in like the five-yard line, he's going to get a, a couple of chances to stuff it in there. Uh, t- probably, I, I don't know, he's probably got to be the right in line with CMC to be if you had to have a touchdown prop this early in the week. I think he's probably right there with CMC. I, I think Zeke should be just straight up projected for more points than he, McCaffrey. He, uh, the, the Blitz has him as that way. Yeah, right now. as they should. A uh, couple tournament plays. I got Dalvin Cook. I uh, sitting there at 10%. So that's like, I don't know, the sixth or seventh highest projected on running back of the week. Dude's just good. You like the over in that game. Uh, he shared a couple too many snaps with Madison, but you know, he's Dalvin Cook. Uh, I expect as the season goes on, right, they lost the first game. They just paid Dalvin Cook. Maybe they give him some more carries because you can't go 0-2 in the NFL and really expect to have a lot of late season chances to make the playoffs and stuff like that. I'm looking for him to get, uh, you know, the lion's share of the carries here. He's just too good. Nobody's going to be owning him with everyone going to Zeke and Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. So I think he's a little nice ownership swerve. And if you want a real ownership swerve, I got one for you at the end of the show when we go over uh, Ian's helicopter play. So that's sort of the lay of the land at running back. Uh, Why don't you start us off at wide receiver? Always a million wide receivers we can choose from. Um, I mean, Mike Evans, 6,400 on DraftKings. If Godwin sits, uh, you know, Arians was coming out. We got to get him some targets. How do you not do that? Even if he doesn't sit, man, that's fine. Let Godwin play so the ownership goes down on Evans, which I've seen. I don't know. It's you know, it's always tough. You look at these different sites, and there's usually different projected ownership. So maybe Evans does come in as real chalky. But honestly, I'll eat it. That's fine. I want Evans and GPP and Cash alike, man. He is. He looked fine last week. It's a tough matchup against Marshawn Lattimore, but just in terms of Evans' hamstring health, he was out there for 90% plus snaps, and I don't think that would have been the case if he wasn't healthy. So still a little limited in practice this week, but I don't think we're going to see a game designation. And yeah, with this matchup, you know, in the past, he hasn't had these huge games against the Carolina Panthers because they had James Bradbury tracking them all over the field. I wouldn't, I don't think Bradbury is going to be confused with the top five corner anytime soon, but he is a bigger body guy that has consistently given guys like Evans, Michael Thomas, um, you know, just in that division with on Julio Jones as well. You know, six matchups against those guys every single year, pretty tough to make a big name for yourself. But he's now in New York, and now, you know, they don't even have anyone over 200 pounds in that cornerback room. I think Evans is just going to beast out there. And, you know, yeah, like you said, when Bruce Arians is out there saying that he feels like 
personally bad when Evans doesn't get the uh, 10 targets per game. Uh, I definitely think they're going to go right back to him. And the other guy that I you know might talk a little more about later, but Will Fuller is just someone that, look, he's healthy. We got all the clarification in the world last week that he is Deshaun Watson's number one target, and he's home against, okay, a great Ravens defense, but you know, let's look a little closer at that. We got you know Jimmy Smith not really playing safety. They don't move their cornerbacks, so Fuller could feasibly run the majority of his routes against Marcus Peters, who, hey, He's played great since joining the Ravens, but we all know he's always one, you know, he gets a little greedy and jumps that route one play away from giving up a big one. And then Tavon Young in the slot, who's a, who's a wonderful matchup. So Fuller, I mean, that gate week one could have been a ton bigger if uh, Watson had put a potential 50 yard touchdown on him a little bit cleaner. I think, uh, you know, anytime Fuller's healthy, he truly has that hundred plus yards and two touchdown upside. Yeah. And they didn't, um, you know, the Texans coach, they didn't really scheme anything different, right? They're just, Hey, Will Fuller, you're now DeAndre Hopkins and Randall, (laughs) you know, Randall Cobb, you're Kiki Kuti and uh, you know, Kenny Stills and Brandon Cooks, you're now Will Fuller, right? So that's basically how that offense I think is going to go. Uh, I talk about, you know, in that millionaire maker article, not falling into recency bias, but I think that's probably one we can, although I do expect Randall Cobb to probably catch a pass in this game. I will, I will go to that one. A uh, couple of wide receivers. I like uh, Devonte Adams. How, how do you not play the guy? Uh, I know uh, the, the lions, they got hurt in the secondary a little bit last week, but uh, I think they're getting a Cuda back. It looks like he got in some practices this week, but he's come back from a hamstring injury in his first NFL game, Devonte Adams or a rookie coming off an injury. Probably going to go Devontae Adams on that one. Uh, I, I just expect him. He is the man. I I find it really hard to see him not getting 10 plus targets in just about every single game he plays, unless specifically they just line up two people on him at the beginning of every play, which they're not going to do. So I, I, I just don't understand how you don't play Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers looks like a real deal. Um, Talk, talk about a, why do you, how do you draft a quarterback and a running back? You're not even going to play for like two years when you have a team that can win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. I just don't understand what they were doing there in the front office. But hey, for DFS, that's Devontae Adams getting a bajillion targets. And I, I think I would expect him to dominate the targets more than I would expect to, to have a DeAndre Hopkins dominate the targets like he did. So if I was choosing between those, I'm going to take Adams. Um, a tournament play I got is I got Marquise Brown. It looks like he had a great game week one, uh, coming in sub 10% ownership. Uh, and why can't he repeat what he did in week one and expand on it? Pretend this game is a little bit closer, right? He played 67% of the snaps week one. That would go up if the game's close. He had 47% of the air yards in that game, right? So he's getting all the high valuable fantasy targets. Uh, according to PFF Texans 30th and pass rush grade week one, not good. 31st in coverage grade. Not good. Sounds like Marquise Brown's going to eat again, Ian. I think uh, Fuller and Hollywood kind of fall on the same boat, man. Like, don't worry about the matchup. Both these guys are A-plus field stretchers. And as we kind of saw in their week one usage, they're number one wide receiver on their team. So they're getting, you know, higher percentage, uh, shorter stuff too. Like the, you know, boomer bust label we associate with them. I think the bust is a little bit less likely this year than we've seen in the past. Yeah, Marquise Brown just looked good. He bulked up, right? He was like 160. He was a skinny twig. Now he's 180. You can verify that on Twitter.com if you want to see some pictures uh, of a muscled up uh, wide receiver there. Uh, that's a couple wide receiver plays. We'll talk a little bit more uh, about some more uh, just towards the end of the show here. Uh, tight end. I want to talk about, there's a couple, there's a lot of good plays. Maybe I'll let you start off. We got Jameson Crowder just got ruled out maybe a couple hours ago. Uh, out of the 
17 receptions the Jets will have this week. How many of them go to Chris Herndon? Uh, 15, 16, if I want to be, you know, just a little cool about it. But uh, yeah, no, man, I'm going back to the well here. You know, week one didn't really scare me off of Chris Herndon. I mean, for him to finish second on the team in targets, six catches, 37 yards, no scores. Okay, it wasn't a tight end one performance, but if that's like the low end of his outcomes, we'll take that any day of the week. And now, yeah, Crowder's out. Herndon is looking like the absolute number one target in this passing game. And okay, maybe Rashad Perryman uh, fights for that team leading targets, but you know, we just don't have many tight ends that cheap that we can confidently project for literally a plus targets. So I think we got to go back to volume and I know it's Gase. I know it's Darnold, but as we saw last week with Crowder, they can enable one guy and now Crowder's out of the picture. I think Herndon uh, can be that guy. The GPP route I would go though is uh, Jordan Aikens at 3,300. Aikens is good, and he's been talked up a lot in training camp, but the problem was last year that him and Fells were literally splitting like snaps and targets alike week by week. That changed in week one. Fells wasn't even out there for more than 50% of the offensive snaps for the first time in a while. Aikens was actually running more routes than everyone, including uh, Will Fuller and those guys. So he was out there. I think they're treating him as a tight end one. You know, I've been saying this throughout the offseason, but to me, like Deshaun Watson, uh, Russell Wilson, maybe we can put Joe Burrow on this list now, but mm-hmm. if you can give any of those guys like a legit tight end one that can play almost every snap, I think they can flirt with 10 touchdowns any given year. Aikens appears to be that guy. Go back to him while his price remains so low because I think it's I don't think it's gonna be below the 4k range for that much longer if he keeps up these types of snaps. RIP my best ball teams. I got I had Uzoma and like every single draft is my very oh. last pick and every like I think I probably had him on like 50 best ball teams and snap goes the Achilles. Um so hopefully the rest Sorry, of my man. tight ends uh the good thing is I paired him a lot with like Kelsey Andrews and Kittle. So hopefully those guys can carry it but uh, I hate to see that go because uh, that dude was in line to be a back end tight end one, easily a, a top end tight end two with the amount of targets and stuff. And Drew Sample, right? We thought he was going to be a pass blocker. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he can catch some <laughs> passes. We'll have to see how that plays out. But I got for my cash game. Now, I love Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. I think Kelsey sets up to have a smash game. You got some really tough corners on that Chargers team. Kelsey will dominate them in the middle. Mark Andrews. We, he could be the tight end one this year. And I think he'd be the tight end one for many years moving forward, in my opinion. But hey, there's the salary cap. So I'm going to a tight end. He ran 31 of his 52 snaps. He ran a route. He had 26% of his team targets and 30% of his team's air yards. He has a revenge game and he has the flow chart. How do you not play Logan Thomas? Like just out of, out of nowhere. I mentioned him last week. It worked out pretty well. How do you not go back to the well in a game that everything favorable matchup, I don't know if revenge for a tight end, actually if a tight end can determine revenge, maybe a quarterback or a running back can, but he's going to be out there. He's running routes. He's playing snaps and tight end Arizona. This has been a weakness for so long. He's cheap. It lets you get, Devontae Adams that lets you get all the running backs you want. It lets you get Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. Uh, I mean, I, I think he looks pretty good this week. Yeah, I just kind of worry, man. Like the touchdown, he wasn't even guarded. He made some other nice catches. Like he looked good out there, but I just wonder in this offense, can someone other than Terry McLaurin provide you that consistent production? Is it going to be someone other than Antonio Gibson? I'm a little south, I guess, on the uh, Logan Thomas. I guess for me, it's like I don't know that Logan Thomas is going to get many more opportunities than Jordan Akins or Chris Herndon. And, okay, I'm fine taking the Washington offense over the Jets offense, but uh, give me Jordan Akins all, all day still. All right. And then for tournaments, one of the things, you know, if you look at 
what makes a tight end have a good game in like terms of like spreads and things like that. It's big home favorites. Uh, I got Johnu Smith. Uh, we've got maybe AJ Brown looking a little iffy. We've got um, Corey Davis off his big game. Maybe he's not going to be a hundred percent either. Why not Johnu Davis? I know Derek Henry's the talk of the town. This gives you a little bit of leverage in tournaments. Uh, if you're running, if you're playing Gardner Minshew, all right, I think you could you could play Henry in a Minshew stack, but you could also play Johnu Smith as like a, a receiver in that one. Uh, just one of the strongest trends are these really big home favorites for tight ends. Uh, and I think Johnu, uh, he clearly has the athletic ability. He can t- kick a screen pass 50 yards. He can run the ball in. There's a lot of ways for him to come out. So I like him as a tournament play. Uh, we didn't talk defenses last week, but we got a little bit of time. So uh, I guess I'll throw these to you. I see you're adding them in here into the sheet. I got to look at a couple too. What are a couple defenses you're looking at? I think we might have mentioned them. I, I, I at least had Saints uh, written down from last week. So I'll, I'll give myself a theoretical pat on the back if, if we didn't talk about them. But uh, Buccaneers at 2,900, I think, are uh, in play. Four cash games. Ronald Jones is pretty cheap, too. And, you know, looking at 15-plus touches against one of the worst run defenses still that we've seen in quite some time. So I think that's a pretty easy and affordable stack if you want to go that route. Again, Buccaneers, they held the Saints the second-fewest yards for play in week one despite that loss. So, you know, they brought back all those pass rushers. We got Devin White and Levante David holding down linebacker. And Carlton Davis has been locking down every wide receiver one he's been facing off. And even removing him, you know, Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting are doing some good things as well. So truly a complete defense. And, uh, you know, so are the Saints. It was a good, good week one matchup. Let's keep on going back to well with them moving forward. And then also uh, the Dolphins at 2100. I mean, facing that New England offense with Cam, they had no idea what was really coming. And just the way the P- Patriots played that game out was going to be tough for them to do all that much. This is still a much improved secondary with Byron Jones and a bunch of new uh, rookies uh, that they drafted high that are going to get better as the year goes on. 2100 against the Bills. I mean, look, the Bills could easily score 30 plus points, but, you know, guys like Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, even Russell Wilson to some extent, like we can still play fancy defenses against these guys because they take a lot of sacks and it's not even necessarily like I, I hate when people criticize Deshaun Watson for taking all these sacks because you know when you're under pressure there's only so many things you can do you can you can try to extend the play and risk taking the sack you can throw the ball away and nothing good happens or you can try to force it into coverage and force an interception so as much as they do take the sacks a lot of amazing plays do come out of that Either way, like this is my long way of saying that Josh Allen is going to make mistakes for as many of good plays as he probably will make out there. Dolphins at 2,100 is a good way to save salary and wouldn't be shocking if they're able to uh, group together multiple turnovers. All right. I do like the Bills and Dolphins too, so I can get behind you and that one as both as tournament plays. Uh, a couple other tournament teams you consider when I'm looking at ownership out here. I mentioned at the top, I like the Rams to win. One of the reason is I think their D-line has a big advantage over the Philadelphia offensive line. Uh, so the Rams defense at low ownership looks pretty good. Uh, one of the things you want from your defense is you sometimes want your offense to get out to a big lead because that allows for sacks and interceptions and things like that to happen. Why not take the Cardinals defense? If we like the Cardinals offense so much, maybe we could take a look at the Cardinals defense. I think Washington defense showed their in play, I think every week too, with, with just how good they were. We'll see, was it the depleted offensive line or was it the really good defensive line? I don't mind then. And then if you want to, you want to get weird, right? If offensive line doesn't matter and the Cowboys are going to be really injured, we got to see how it is. Defenses do weird things. Sometimes the lowest owned defense of the week, this happened twice last year, is the highest scoring defense of the week because this is just how it is. You get some weird things happen. 
I'm going to throw out the Falcons as, as one of my Ooh. random random tournament plays, but this is really if a lot of that offensive line uh, injuries do hold true and they do end up missing a lot of them. So just uh, you can get weird with defense and tournaments. It's the hardest to predict. Uh, and I don't mind getting a little weird if you're playing in like the Millie Maker or the Mini Max or any of these like you got to be 200,000 type of people tournaments out there. So that's where I'm looking at for some defense. Um, before we get to the chopper plays, I want to remind everybody from this show, we are running a discount on our core four subscription. It's normally $39.99 a month. If you go to rotogrinders.com uh, slash premium, there's some sort of web code. I don't know how it is. Uh, Devin's got the link in the YouTube chat. If you're into that, if you have trouble finding it, uh, you could DM me uh, on Twitter or on Rotogrinders uh, if you're listening to this on podcast, and I'll help you out. But instead of it being $39.99 a month, if you are a new subscriber, uh, use code PFF, that's Pro Football Focus, PFF, that will get you a $5 discount on your first month only for $34.99. And if you want everything, if you want to play soccer and tennis and MMA and college football and esports and WNBA, uh, you can get $20 off our Core 4 Plus Specialist Package. That is normally $100 a month. Me personally, I think the regular Roto-Grinders premium should be $100 a month. It's, I think it's extremely undervalued, but that's how we like to have a lot of subscribers, right? But you can get that combo f- Core 4 Plus Specialist instead of 100 for $79.99 a month. That's code PFF when you sign up uh, for a Roto-Grinder subscription. Uh, all right, Devin, hopefully you got the music. I don't know if you listened to this last week, Ian, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. We, piped, we piped in some music for people. This is the end of the show. Uh, we talked some helicopter plays from Ian. These are guys, right? Main slate only. They can't have a top five price tag. I'm cheating on one of those. Can't have ownership above 5%. Uh, why don't you give a couple? I'll give mine, and you can finish out uh, the rest of a couple. Yeah, so, yeah, those are the criteria. Again, we're looking for, you know, GPP, you know, not quite darts, but, you know, again, the low on high upside guys. So my five finalists, I mentioned a couple of these guys already. Mentioned Will Fuller uh, and why, you know, just regardless of the matchup, I think he needs to be in this consideration. So in, in a week where people are just seemingly fading him because of the matchup, I don't think that's enough reason to get off him. Uh, Raheem Moster is someone in that 6,000 range. I think no one's really looking at running backs there because they're either going up to the Zeke uh, territory or they're going down. Uh, to kind of that Jonathan Taylor range. And, you know, Mostert, I was a little worried this this year because uh, McKinnon coming in to just take all the pass down snaps and targets. Uh, but that wasn't the case. I mean, both McKinnon and Mostert had five uh, targets. And Mostert, you know, taking that one, that angle around 75 yards to the house, uh, broke the next-gen stats record for fastest of play over the past uh, three seasons. The guy's a baller. They don't have any uh, sort of, you know, with Kittle potentially out and Ayuk banged up, Debo still out. They're going to need to keep throwing the ball. Um, so love Mostert this week. Uh, mentioned David Montgomery earlier. Don't need to uh, rehash that. Austin Eckler is one where, you know, you were kind of talking uh, earlier about Alvin Kamara week two and then going to week three. No one was on him. I think Eckler's in the same space because, yeah, one target sucked. But you know what? A good way how to get more targets is play the Chiefs and be trailing by multiple scores. So I think he's going to see more there. And, you know, despite the one target still at 69% snaps and career high 19 carries. I mean, look, Joshua Kelly is going to be involved, but he's not going to be the Melvin Gordon. He could be what Justin Jackson was in weeks one through four last year, which is fine. It's 40, 50% and, you know, 10 to 12 carries per week, but don't get it twisted. Eckler is the guy uh, in Los Angeles. And then finally, uh, Scotty Miller is one I'm looking at. And this is, you know, he's in that low 4k range. So, you know, definitely uh, taking a bit of a reach here, but Buccaneers really like him. I mean, it was interesting to hear what Bruce Arians said after the game and, you know, uh, Miller, 
little bit, he had over 100 yards if you include, I think it was a 30-yard defensive pass interference uh, he drew. And just Bruce Aarons pretty much said, hey, look, this is what they've been doing every day of practice throughout training camp. Tom trusts Scotty, and, you know, he's playing well. So we didn't quite know what these splits were going to look like with Tyler Johnson and Justin Watson in there. And it was Goblin and Evans up in that 90% range, but Scotty Miller right there at 60%. You know, Bruce Arians was just saying that Goblin's going to be listed as doubtful. If he's able to pass the protocol tomorrow, he'll be questionable. We'll see. Either way, you know, Scotty Miller, anywhere from six to eight targets potentially against the secondary, sign me up. Uh, we just got news too that uh, A.G. Brown is out, so that solidifies my Johnu Smith. Probably the ownership will creep up a little bit, uh, but keep an eye on the Tennessee pass game without uh, A.J. Brown. Uh, maybe we get Corey Davis week two. Adam Humphreys will return from the dead. Undertaker gift us all uh, on week one, two. He had himself a, a nice game. And then, of course, Janu and uh, maybe some Derrick Henry screen pass trains for 70 yards. Those always sound good. Uh, but I want to talk about a couple of uh, – I'm going to try to compete with Ian. I don't have five. I got two. Uh, I'm cheating on a top five price tag because uh, there is no way that Saquon Barkley should be 3% on. I checked ours, right? We got him at 3%. I went over to PFF. You guys have him under 3% as well. Uh, everyone is playing Henry. Everyone's playing Zeke. Everyone's playing um, Jonathan Taylor, right? There's not enough. Oh man, $500 for Zeke with negative rushing yards or whatever that crap was. Get it out of here. Adrian Peterson just ran for 93 yards on 14 carries against the Bears. Swift and AP combined for six catches. What on earth do you think Saquon's going to do? He is not going to suck two weeks in a row. 3% ownership. This is how you win the large field contest. And a lot of the, the research I've done, you don't really search for low-owned running backs unless it's Saquon at 3%, right? That's the type of play that wins you a tournament. I mentioned at the top, right, Alvin Kamara week three last year after he was the highest owned player week two, and he dudded. This is what you look for at the running back position at low ownership. Swerve onto Saquon. It's a couple extra bucks. He could top out Henry. He could beat Zeke um, pretty easily, in my opinion. And you're getting like 10 to one ownership advantage on that. So Zeke's one. And the other one is sort of recency bias on the shiny toys. We get shiny toys. We get Paris Campbell, right? He's the new wide receiver one. We get Deontay Johnson, shiny object, getting a lot of targets out there in Pittsburgh. We get uh, CeeDee Lamb, right? Uh, He's going to get a lot of targets this week. We get uh, Christian Kirk. Well, he didn't get a lot of targets, but people still like him because he's in the Arizona offense. Uh, We forget, hey, Mike Williams, He's a bad man and he likes to catch touchdowns. So Mike Williams, he's 4,200 on DraftKings. Uh, Chiefs without Brashad Beeland and Ward. The, what is Tyrod? Tyrod doesn't check it down to Austin Eckler. He throws it deep. Uh, he had 42% of the air yards week one. What is not to like about Mike Williams? This like the game sets up perfectly. No one's using him. Uh, everyone's on the new shiny toys. Mike Williams in a GPP. You, Saquon, play the chalk elsewhere, ride your way to victory. Those are my two, A.M. I like him, man. Yeah, Saquon just should never be that low owned, regardless of the matchup or what's going on. You brought up good points about the way AP was able to slash through that Bears D. And, yeah, Mike Williams, I mean, you look at – if you watch all those targets he had last week, I mean, even the incompletions were impressive as hell. Great, I mean, great two of them – yeah, two one-handed catches where he just landed out of bounds. I get it. It's not a catch if you don't get your feet in bounds. But, you know, guys, true, guys always been a special talent. Like, just because Keenan Allen has been getting fed targets doesn't mean Mike Williams couldn't be, you know, a true wide receiver one in his own right in the right situation and as you said Tyrod is not checking the ball down and uh, Mike Williams is every bit 
Yeah, so that's a couple of my uh, my helicopter plays to try to keep pace with Ian. That's going to do it for the show today. Again, if you have a free subscription uh, at PFF, just go sign up. You can read his helicopter articles. They did put his mismatch manifesto behind the paywall because it's just it's too good to give out. All, I, in my opinion, everything should everything every stat everything you ever look at should be behind a paywall in in DFS. I think that's probably how it should be. Or if you have really good information, uh, so, someone out there should be charging for it. So I'm glad they put it behind the paywall. You can get that a PFF sub on the low end for thirty nine ninety nine and get access to a bajillion things. Uh, that is the only other thing I subscribe to personally, other than uh, the things we have here at Roto Grinders. So go check that out. Uh, Ian, it's been fun. We'll be back here for week three and all throughout the season, bringing you the manifesto, the helicopter plays and everything else. Uh, have fun out there. Good luck, Ian, to everyone watching. Thanks for watching. Uh, and we out.